May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be ever-pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome again to St. Mary of the Angels. And if you are a visitor, if, you, uh, if this is your first time here, or if you come but not very often, then the first thing I want to say is not to you and get over it. You will be fine. But to those who have been with me for this last year, I would like to say something real quick while I have the chance. I, I've been here as your rector for just over a year now. And there are things that I hope you have learned about me. I hope you have learned that I am somebody who is not afraid to shake things up, that I am not somebody who is afraid to uh, twist and turn and, and try new things, but at the same time, I'm also somebody who truly has a deep love and respect for tradition and liturgy and worship as we've done for a church, not for 400 years, but for 2,000 years. I also hope that you have learned in the year that I have been here that when I say I love you, I mean it. Even when you are not easy to love. <laughs> Especially when you are not easy to love. I uh, have to imagine that there is no way that you would be here for a year with me and not recognize that I am a huge fan of stories. My first sermon here, I talked about a little bit of my story and how I can't wait to learn more of yours. And we've had a little bit over a year to share our stories and to grow stories together. And as a teacher, uh, I think stories are one of the very best ways that we can teach other people Things. I, I struggled in school when I would have a teacher who didn't recognize that, that, that I learn best from stories. That's the exact reason why I can quote every movie I've ever seen. Because it just stays with me. When I have this story and this plot point and everything going on, it, it really, truly helps me to, to learn stuff, to know stuff. And there are some preachers out there who are amazing uh, theologians, and they can academically tell you all sorts of stuff, and I will happily sleep right through every one of their sermons. Because it doesn't catch me like a story. Stories tell us the hows and the whats and the wheres and the whens. Our gospel lesson today is taken from the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And he, he starts his story. Now, anybody who is a good storyteller knows that one of the most important parts of telling a story is how you start it. you got to say something that really captures their attention, that really draws them in and says, hey, this is going to be something. And if you want a really good example of that, look at John. The Gospel of John, that story, the way it starts, man, it sucks you in. If you want a really bad example of an exciting beginning, read Luke. The beginning of Luke is a genealogy. So forth was the son of somebody who was the son of somebody. It is the worst story beginning ever as far as grabbing your attention. But there's a reason for that. 
There's a really important reason for that. And the reason has something to do with this. Good stories, exciting stories, start with phrases like this. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> or, once upon a time. But the thing is, when you hear that, when you hear once upon a time, or you hear a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you immediately think, oh, this is going to be a good story. But it's not true. It might have a good message, but it's not true. It might have truth in it, but it didn't actually happen. Luke starts his gospel as a horrible storyteller because he wants you to know not just is there truth, but it is true. It did actually happen. He doesn't just say a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. He says, do you remember when the census took place? Do you remember that year when this specific item happened? I'm going to start my story with that because I want you to know something actually happened that year. Something different. Something amazing. And I'll spend the rest of my story telling you how great it was, but I'm going to start off with this horrible beginning because I want you to know it's true. We have a hard time with that. Now it's Christmas Eve, and I am not going to go crazy into a 45-minute long sermon giving you all of the gritty details. Because here's the deal, I will happily talk to you about them. I would love to. Anytime you want to come chat me up about the details of this story, I will show you some historical criticism. We will find times where I will read through the books that I've amassed in my years in seminary with you, and I will show you this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and this all points to this story being true. But tonight, I'm more interested in sharing with you the why. Not the how, the what, the when, the where, but the why. And to do that, I'm going to do something I just love to do. I'm going to turn to one of my favorite stories. Now, the man to whom I'm going to introduce to you was not a Scrooge. He was kind, decent, mostly a good man. He was generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men. But he just did not believe all that incarnation stuff that the church proclaims at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense to him. And he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the story of Jesus Christ, uh, about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite that he'd much rather just stay at home. 
but that he would wake up for them. And so he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier, and then went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. Then another and another, sort of a thump or a thud. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through his large landscape window. He couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. Quickly he put on a coat and galoshes and trampled through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on the light. But the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them. So he hurried back to the house, fetched breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted bar. <clears throat> and then he realized that they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them, to confuse them. They just would not fall. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself. Mingle with them. Speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to safe, warm, to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, at that exact moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells. The Deste Fidelis. Listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. 
And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Says Acts 2.21. So I ask you this night, have you called upon Jesus to save you? Let me invite you to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ on this Christmas day. You will be glad you did. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.